Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appetit! Hear these words from the book that we love. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being. His offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. His eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of, or my eyes, excuse me, are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to the page 10. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, on this second Sunday after Christmas, having celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Um, We come, we start a new year, uh, and Lord, we gather for worship once again. Uh, Would you meet with us here, we pray. Holy Spirit, would you uh, bring these scriptures to life for each one of us? Would you prick our hearts this morning, uh, Lord, with what you want to say to each one of us, what you want to teach each one of us? Uh, So God, be here, be at work. Uh, Help us to hear your voice. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. So here we are again, as I mentioned, first Sunday of a new year in 2021 uh, has passed, and what a year it was. I was looking at some different articles this week uh, about just, hey, what were the, the news highlights from this past year? And some of these things feel like a very long time ago, uh, and it's hard to believe it was even this past year. But here's some things that happened in our country and in our world. Uh, Protesters stormed the U.S. Capitol building. A new president was sworn into office. Uh, The COVID-19 vaccines rolled out uh, for the first time. Remember uh, when a container ship got stuck in the Suez Canal? That was last year, the Evergreen. Uh, Derek Chauvin was found guilty of murdering George Floyd. 
SpaceX completed the first successful space flight by a private company, and they seem to be doing so uh, regularly at this point. Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka, among other athletes, this past year brought a lot of awareness to mental health, choosing to withdraw from athletic competitions. Specifically, Simone saying, it's okay to not be okay. And finally, American troops uh, withdrew from Afghanistan after they'd been there for decades. And those are just some of the high points. There were so many more things. How about in our church, at Liberty Church Collinswood in 2021? We celebrated our church's organization, which is a fancy word from moving from being a church plant to a quote-unquote real church, established church, a church with elders and deacons. We ordained and installed our first slate of elders and deacons, our consistory. After being closed for over a year, we regathered physically for corporate worship on May 2nd. Uh, we hired uh, Kelly Dalrymple, who was liturgist this morning as our Liberty Kids director. We hired Tyler Mills as our music director. We hired Rebecca Flovin as our administrative assistant, who's back from maternity leave as of this past week, by the way. And Patrick McAdams, also we hired as our digital ministry director. A lot of things, a lot of part-time staff going on in our church this past year. In my own life, as I looked back a little bit, two big pieces in my own life. I got ordained this past year as a minister of word and sacrament, which was a long process. I'm happy to never do again. And also uh, welcomed, my wife and I, we welcomed our second daughter, our second child, Madison, into the world on uh, June 8th. A lot of big things in our world, in our church, in my own life, and I'm sure also you could say the same in your life, different milestones, different events that happen. And as one year closes and a new year begins, it's good and healthy to look back. It's good uh, to reflect on the 12 months that have gone by, to celebrate the high points, to mourn maybe the low points, to rejoice and thank God for the times that you saw him at work in your life or in the lives of those around you. It's also a good time to look back and to repent. Maybe there were sins in your life or areas where you simply missed the mark this past year. It's also good and healthy to look forward, to anticipate what's to come in the new year, to plan and to resolve how to live more fully as a follower of Jesus and as a spouse and as a parent, if you are any of those things. And for the next few minutes for our sermon, as I just mentioned, I'm going to give a little year-in-review homily. Not really a sermon, kind of a conversation, uh, but a one-way one, unfortunately, though all the aspects of this I have had and dialogue and conversation recently as I've been reflecting on the year with other people. But I'm going to uh, address some of the questions that Jim did last week. Um, and as a note, I also wanted to say that I, I chose intentionally not to listen to Jim's message last week until I gave mine this week. Number one, because I didn't want to be influenced by him, but two, I was just kind of curious to see if anything jives together. So I'm, I'm interested this week to go back uh, and do that. And I want to encourage you, if you uh, weren't here in person or you weren't able to tune in online last week or you just haven't had a chance yet uh, to jump on the podcast, jump on the website, to listen to Jim's message from last week, uh, join me this week and do that. It'd be interesting to see what I say here and what he said and to compare those. So please do that. So a year in review. First question, why Psalm 25? So this past year, um, in my own Bible reading, I used uh, the Book of Common Prayer's uh, daily office lectionary. I'm one of those people, Jim, here's one of the ways Jim and I are different. Jim, and he would say this, is one of, he's been doing the same Bible reading plan for like 10 plus years, maybe 15 years, which is great. And I envy that in some ways. I am someone who changes my Bible reading plan basically every year. 
because I kind of get bored or I'm kind of just looking for a new one all the time. So that's me. So this past year, I did the Book of Common Prayer's Daily Office Lectionary, which I did really enjoy. And it has you read a passage each day from the Psalms, the Old Testament, the Gospels, and the New Testament. So there's four different places in the Bible that you're kind of reading uh, all the time. gives you some uh, genre variety, which is kind of nice. But over the course of 2021, the Psalms were consistently the place where I found myself lingering. For whatever reason, throughout the whole course of the year, I love the rest of the Old Testament, I love the Gospels, I love the New Testament, not against any of those things, but for whatever reason, the Psalms were the place where I found myself constantly meditating, lingering on, and praying about. And I chose Psalm 25 this morning specifically for our scripture reading because it was a psalm that captured my attention early uh, last year. In fact, as I looked back, I'm not a regular journaler. I wish I was, but I'm not. Um, as a perfectionist, if I don't do it every day, I'd rather just not do it at all. So I struggle with that sort of dichotomy. Um, so I do it periodically uh, and on like separate sheets of paper, and then I sort of put them together. It's not really a journal. It's just a stack of papers. Makes me feel better about myself, I guess. But I do journal occasionally, and I did journal about this psalm, Psalm 25, on January 18th last year. And every time I came back around to it, it's a 60-day psalm cycle in the Book of Common Prayer. Um, so every time I came back around to it, uh, it continued uh, to speak to me, continued to stand out to me, continued to capture my attention. It was challenging in some ways, comforting in many ways as well. And so from here, I want to share three things that God has been teaching me over the last 12 months. And I say specifically, has been teaching, not taught, because I don't think it's done yet. We're all in process, and me, myself included, am in process. Three things that God has been teaching me over the past 12 months. Two of those things specifically come from Psalm 25, and I'll point those out in the text. One is a little bit different, though there's still some connection. So three points this morning which is like a normal sermon. Isn't that great? I slipped that in at least. First, God has been reshaping my thinking about what it looks like to follow Jesus and help others do likewise. Look back at verses 4 and 5 there in the scripture reading. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. So these two verses of the psalmist here are a prayer for God's guidance. But what really strikes me about them in these verses are the words paths and the word ways. See, throughout Scripture, the idea of walking is a metaphor that's regularly used for following and for obeying God. And these two words are come up often throughout the Scriptures to invoke this idea. And this concept of walking, of being on God's path, following in the way of Jesus. These were concepts that stood out to me this past year. I kept seeing them all over scripture. I don't know if you've ever had one of those seasons of your life when you're reading the Bible that there's a certain topic or certain something that's in your mind or that God has placed there, and you just see it everywhere in places you've never seen it before. And for me this year, that was one of the predominant ones, this idea of walking, the words like paths and ways. I kept seeing it all over scripture, kept underlining verses as I read through the Bible over the course of the year. Listen to these. I, I didn't choose all of them. I only picked some from the book of Psalms uh, that have this concept in it. Let me read uh, a handful of these. Bear with me. Psalm 5, 8. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Psalm 16, 11. You make, me kno you make known to me the path of life. 
Psalm 17, 5, my steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. Psalm 23, 1 to 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Psalm 26, 1, vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. And then later in verse 11, but as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Psalm 37, 23 and 24, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he shall not fall, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Psalm 89, 15, blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face. Psalm 101, 2, for I will ponder the way that is blameless. O when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. Psalm 119, there's a whole bunch of places in Psalm 119. Psalm 119.10, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And then again, verses 59 and 60. When I think on my ways, I will turn my feet to your testimonies. And then again, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And then finally, Psalm 119, 133. Keep steady my steps according to your promise. So many places. And that's just the Psalms. I encourage you, if you uh, have copious amounts of free time, Get on Bible Gateway, type in some words like paths and walks and way, and you'll find lots more verses. But those are a handful there from the book of Psalms, ones that I literally underlined in my Bible this year as I flipped through. I saw all of those. And as a result of this theme consistently coming up in my daily office, the questions that I wrestled with for a lot of the year 2021 were questions like, what does it look like for me practically to walk the path of God? I never quite thought about it in that frame. And what does it look like for our congregation to follow in the way of Jesus? There were a couple of sources um, that were really influential for me this year as I was wrestling with and answering these questions, and I'll mention both of them here briefly. The first was a sermon series by a Portland pastor named John Mark Comer that that came out last spring called Future Church. Um, uh, This is a, a sermon series that I listened to, Jim listened to most of, our consistory, our elders and deacons have listened to some, if not all of it, Uh, themselves. Great sermon series, and I won't get into the details of it, but at the end of each sermon, he gives a a practice, a a, a rhythm that kind of helps us as followers of Jesus to walk in our worlds. And it's a great, 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 great sermon series. It was really helpful and influential for me. And second, over the course of the summer, I began reading a classic uh, book by a man named Dallas Willard called The Spirit of the Disciplines. And throughout my year reading these different scriptures, listening to this sermon series, reading this book by Willard, which I haven't quite finished yet, I'm getting there. Turns out that it's really hard to read when you have toddlers in the house. I'm, I'm still struggling with that. I, I actually, quick sidebar, I thought about making a, a New Year's resolution for how many books I'm going to read this year, but it's just too hard. I can't do it. Three-year-old and a six-month-old, not happening. So didn't do it, but I'm still reading that book. It's a great book. But standing here at the beginning of 2022, one of the things I've become thoroughly convinced about is that we walk the paths of God through ancient disciplines, these ancient spiritual disciplines that Jesus himself practiced during his earthly life. Things that maybe you've heard of, Bible reading and prayer, Sabbath, fasting and feasting, corporate worship, silence and solitude, and so on. And I think What's been striking to me in the place that I've come to this year is that these rhythms are not just a small part of what it means to be a Christian, but they're actually the main part. 
this is what we do as Christians. It's through these disciplines, these practices, that we follow Jesus and are transformed by Jesus and participate in the mission of Jesus. We actually can't walk the path of God without these rhythms, without these disciplines, and we certainly won't become resilient men and women without them. We can't persevere for the long haul as disciples without them. To use Eugene Peterson's phrase, they are the key to a long obedience in the same direction. And to be clear, I never thought that these spiritual disciplines were unimportant. Um, you know, since I was a kid and started following Jesus, I've tried to read my Bible and pray. But there's so many of the disciplines that I personally have neglected or ignored over the years. And, and I confess, even before you this morning, that I certainly haven't done a good job as a minister helping you practice those disciplines since I was ignoring them myself. I once heard uh, an ultramarathon runner named Dean Carnassus. He was asked about how he could run uh, really crazy distances. If Here's another Google search for you to do this afternoon. Dean Carnassus, he holds uh, a bunch of records for ultramarathon running. He's run like 200 and I think now over 300 miles consecutively, which makes zero sense to me. Um, he's a total nut, uh, super interesting guy. But he was once asked how he could do this. How in the world can you run these crazy distances? How can you run a marathon to the start of a marathon and then run the marathon? Like, this makes no sense to me. And all he said was, I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And following the way of Jesus is really no different than that. We just have to take it one day at a time. We engage in these spiritual rhythms one day at a time. We put one foot in front of the other, seeking to love our spouses and families and neighbors well, engaging in these disciplines just moment by moment. That's what I've become convinced of this year. I've also become convinced that we're not going to do this perfectly, which leads to the next point. Second, God has also been reinforcing my need to receive his grace when I fail to walk as Jesus did. One of uh, Jim's prompts in the little Google Doc uh, sermon script that he wrote down for us was, what did you find yourself praying a lot this year? I thought about this for a while. I wanted to come up with something that sounded really spiritual and awesome. But I'm going to be honest instead. I think the prayer that I prayed the most this entire year went something like this. God, forgive me for doing blank when I was angry at Olivia. Help me to be patient with her and to be kind with her. I think that was probably the prayer I prayed the most this year. My three-year-old, who's spunky and whom I love, who's at home watching online, probably not paying attention right now, which is fine. Um... I love her. She's great. But man, she gets on my nerves sometimes. She's hard. It's hard. Parenting's hard. And parenting a toddler is no joke. We also went from a family of three to a family of four this past year, which was a tough transition. I mentioned already the birth of our daughter, Madison. Uh, and I didn't realize how great that two-to-one parent-child ratio was. Um, it was pretty nice. So now we're evened up. It's a little different. But I think that was the prayer that I prayed the most this year. Look back at verses 6 and 7 in our scripture reading. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. See, immediately following that prayer of guidance that we read a moment ago, verses 4 and 5, the psalmist then asks for forgiveness. He prays, he prays a prayer of forgiveness. Why? Because he knows that he's going to stray from God's paths. He's asking for guidance, but he knows he's not going to do it perfectly. And so he also asks for forgiveness. He knows that his foot will slip. He knows that he will wander at times from the paths of God. 
in addition to Psalm 25, there was another psalm that really impacted me this year. Again, I said I spent a lot of times and a lot of time in the psalms this year. Psalm 106, which is a really interesting psalm. It retells uh, a series uh, of events from the history of Israel. Israel is God's ancient people. And this psalm goes through for about 43 verses and talks about all these different times uh, in their history uh, where they are unfaithful, where they're rebellious, where they're disobedient, where they commit heinous uh, sinful acts and disobey God. But then in verses 44 and 45, the psalmist writes this. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For, for their sake, he remembered his covenant, and he relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Don't you love that? For 43 verses, all this rebellion, and then he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, despite their wickedness and their weakness, God was merciful to them. He was gracious. And the same is true for us when we stray from the paths of God. It's a Christian uh, singer-songwriter named Andrew Peterson who has a song called Be Kind to Yourself. Again, here's a song I listened to a lot this year. And I probably will this next year, too. He's a great singer-songwriter. Be kind to yourself. And it speaks about the battle that rages within each of us against our inner critic, against that internal saboteur that tells us that we're not good enough. My favorite lines from the song are actually in the final verse. And this is what Andrew Peterson wrote. You can't expect to be perfect. It's a fight you've got to forfeit. You belong to me, whatever you do. So lay down your weapon, darling. Take a deep breath and believe that I love you. And that's the words, the words of God in the song. You can't expect to be perfect. It's a fight you've got to forfeit. You belong to me, whatever you do. So lay down your weapon, darling. Take a deep breath and believe that I love you. Man, that's really good news. That's really good news to my soul. Not just for me as a perfectionist in Egram 1, but for all of us. That Jesus is kind and gentle. He's lowly at heart. The scriptures say that a bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. At the beginning of this uh, little homily, I, I mentioned that I journaled about this psalm uh, last January, January 18th. Here's what I wrote. I'll read this to you. It's pretty short. As a follower of Jesus, there will never be a time when I do not constantly need God's help. I will always be asking for his forgiveness and guidance because I will never be fully mature and sanctified and conformed to the image of Christ in this life. Childish and foolish sins will remain because the power and presence of sin has not been fully eradicated from me. Therefore, I do not need to beat myself up and get so discouraged when I fail to be the man, husband, father, and pastor that I desire. Jesus has taken care of sin's penalty, and his grace is sufficient for me. And so, with these first two things that God has been teaching me, one of my prayers for 2022 is that we as a community would seek God's guidance, that we would ask him to teach us to walk his paths day in and day out for the long haul, and that we would receive God's forgiveness when, not if, when our feet slip knowing that Jesus has already paid the penalty on our behalf. So those are two things that God has been teaching me, and that's one of my prayers that I want to pray this year in 2022. One final thing that God has been, has been teaching me this year 
God has been reframing my long-term goals as a minister. I know that sounds a little strange. I struggled with this section when I was typing this out, just to be perfectly honest. So hopefully this makes sense. Before COVID-19 pandemic uh, began, our church was always, throughout its history, up and to the right. At least in the areas that I was overseeing and measuring. According to our historical data, which is all on my computer, not Jim's, which is a funny difference of ours as well, we were growing and making progress. Not exponentially, to be honest, but steadily. Every year since our church was planted in 2013, our average Sunday morning attendance has been higher. Every year, the number of volunteers, the number of men and women connected to a home meeting, the number of children and Liberty kids, the number of in covenant members, our congregation's annual giving, and I could go on, have all been higher year after year, over and over, without exception. And not only in that data, but in a bunch of other things that I ever see, systems and processes and things along those lines that I think are fun, most people think are boring. I always felt like we were constantly improving. I felt like we were always in a better place each year when we wrapped up the year. And here's my confession for this section. In both of those things, I took a lot of pride in that. And it made me feel like I was a good pastor because that was true. But by God's grace, the last 22 months have caused me to fall off my high horse a little bit, if you're familiar with that expression. And again, I say somewhat because this is something God is still teaching me and working on me. Since we regathered as a church back in May, our church is a little smaller. And many of the metrics that I mentioned a moment ago have all taken a step back. And more than that, you know, we did a full year of 100% online worship and small groups and all these things. And everything that I had built, all my systems, all my processes, all that stuff, all just broke. I didn't have answers for anything that our church was doing. Everything had to be reconfigured, uh, which was discouraging at times. And I had to wade into a lot of waters that I felt uncomfortable being in because I just had no knowledge. I had no skills. We have a camera in the back. We have live streaming. We have these other things, things that I just had no experience doing. I was out of my comfort zone a lot this past year. And through that, God has revealed to me that over the past eight and a half years, which is how long I've been in New Jersey and how long I've been at Liberty Church Collingswood, I've too often been focused on the church's numerical growth over spiritual growth, that I at times have valued healthy systems over healthy people, and I've at times been prideful about those successes. That's my confession. This is what I've been learning this year. Many of you may know this, but on June uh, 22nd, Christianity Today uh, dropped the first episode of a new podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. I'm not going to get into all the details there, um, but if you haven't listened to it or if you're not familiar with that church, it was a church uh, in Seattle um, that had crazy growth, blew up, became super famous, uh, but then collapsed and it closed in 2014. And if you Google it, you can hear more about it. Um, and there's, there's no shortage of articles they talk about this podcast. Some of the articles will say, hey, this podcast is wonderful. It's exactly what the church needed. The church, capital C, church, you know, in America, the church worldwide. It's exactly what the church needed. Other articles will say it's the worst thing ever. Wherever you fall on that spectrum isn't really my point this morning. But one of the things that it did that I know the creators hoped it would is it has caused many people, both pastors, leaders, and otherwise, to look in the mirror. To help, and it's helped me see myself 
and my flaws a little bit more clearly. See, God has used the pandemic, the difficulties of the last 22 months, the time that we've been regathered in that podcast, I think, to save me from myself in some new ways. He's helped me to reprioritize what I value and aspire to. And I, and I want to be clear, this doesn't mean that I don't have, like, dreams and ambitions about our, about our church. I hope this doesn't sound too much like a downer. I, I certainly do. I have, you know, documents and lists and Evernotes full of ideas and thoughts about different things. I'd love to see our church continue to grow. I have ideas about our finances and facilities and so on. I have all those things. But I think what God has been teaching me this year, and my, my role is unique as an executive pastor, because that is, I am more focused on that business side in some ways, but I, I really want those things to be secondary and not primary. I think that was one of the things I took away from this past year. Another one of Jim's questions was, where have you seen God show up in your life and in our church this year, including surprisingly? When people ask how church is going, and this happened even just this past week when I was in Tennessee, my wife and I were able to get together with some different friends, uh, a couple of them that are in ministry themselves, church ministry and camp ministry, was able to have these conversations with them as well. And when people ask the question, hey, how's church going? What's going on? I always reply with some version of, we're smaller, but we're stronger. We're stronger. And the core of our church is closer and more committed uh, both to liberty and also to Jesus, I think, than ever before, which is thrilling for me, but it's also humbling. It's thrilling, but it's also humbling. And I want to be clear here, too. I've never aspired to lead a huge church. I mean, I'm not even a lead pastor, for goodness sake, or to be famous or anything like that. But over the course of the year, God has begun shifting my long-term vocational goals. And here's, here's, here's what I've found myself saying to some different people, including my counselor and others. I just want to finish well. That's pretty much it. I just want to finish well. I just want to be like the Apostle Paul and be able to say what he said to Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And this might sound weird, but I really just want to be an old man. <laughs> that like doesn't have any regrets, an old man, an old pastor who's retired, who's happy, who's healthy, who's in his 70s. I know that doesn't sound awesome. It doesn't sound super sexy, but I think it sounds really good. And that's what I'm aspiring to. Listen to these two passages, and here we go. Some more psalms for you. By the way, I know I've thrown a lot out. Go back to YouTube or uh, Facebook. You can watch the sermon if you want to get these uh, references or uh, just reach out to me. I'll, I'd be happy to give them to you. But a couple more verses here that have been impactful to me this year along these lines. Psalm 71, 17 to 18. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. And then Psalm 92, 12 to 14. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. I really love those two images. Those are two really awesome images. An old man who's still preaching and proclaiming the goodness of God to the next generation. And an old tree that in its old age still is healthy and still is fruitful. I love that. And I want to be like that. I want to be like that. 
And I realized that I can't accomplish that goal, obviously. I can't, like, become old. I'm only 34. So I can't become old in the next 364 days. It's just not biologically possible. But I can take one step at a time. I can walk the path of God day by day, receive his forgiveness day by day, put one foot in front of the other. And so another prayer of mine for our church for 2022 is that we would seek to be men and women who take a long-term biblical perspective of what it means to live a good life. That we would focus less on success, however you define that, wherever you are in your families, in your vocations, in your hobbies, etc., that you would focus more on growing into humble, caring, faithful, gracious followers of Jesus. That's my prayer. Now, I realize this has been a bit of an unusual sermon. I'm wrapping up now. I realize this has been a, a little unusual. It's, it's a little unpolished. It's way too me-focused, which I don't particularly like when I'm preaching. That's, if you're a first-time visitor with us, this is not a normal sermon. It's way too me-focused than I prefer it to be. However, my hope is that it has given you not only a window into what God has been up to in my life over these past 12 months, but hopefully it also provides a glimpse into my heart and what I, what I would like to see us pursuing as a congregation. And I hope that in some way, as I have tried to share with you some things that God has been teaching that I am still in process on, I'm still thinking about, praying about, wrestling with, I hope that in some way, by sharing those things, it will motivate you and inspire you to continue to walk the path of God this coming year. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.